Welcome to the party, pal. The, the Michael Duke Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Live around the world on the internet at MichaelDukeshow.com and across the state of Alaska on this your favorite radio station and or FM translator. Hello and good morning and welcome to Tuesday. It is the Michael Duke Show and we are ready to go. Tuesday is our deep dive day. It's our day to dive down into the weeds and get into it with uh, our friend Brad Keithley from Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. And uh, we are we're 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 rocking and rolling. Let's uh, let's just get to it. Let's let's not uh, dilly dally. Dilly dally. Let's not dilly dally, shall we? We'll get into it right now. Brad Keithley, our guest, here this morning as we say hello. Good morning, sir. How are how are you today? Michael, I'm doing great today. Uh you didn't start with the morning weather report. I how's, didn't. How's the it was it's rained. It rained all night. It rained literally all night. It's uh like a grease pancake out there. So it's uh it's <laughs> I literally, I was literally listening to the water falling off the roof all night, hitting the trash can down there underneath the thing. Ding, 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 ding. The water was just, I mean, it's been raining hard. So, well, at least it will help melt the snow, right? I mean, well, I looked out this morning in the front road, the road, the cul-de-sac is, it's all brown. There's no snow. It's all just, it's, it's literally melted everything off the road, which means that this 15 foot high pile of snow that they've scraped onto my lawn from the end of the cul-de-sac is now going to start <laughs> defrosting. So it's, uh, you know, six of one half dozen of the other, but, uh, it's warm, buddy. It is, uh, I mean, it's a blistering 40 something degrees. It's a record high, according to my deal, 45 five degrees right now uh this morning uh where i'm at so it's uh it's like oil. it's like oil prices yeah and they go from record record lows to record highs to volatile all over the place volatile is what i think the word that comes out of this for sure all right brad <clears throat> well <clears throat> excuse me let's get uh let's get started we're gonna start off with a story that i actually got into yesterday um, and it is the permanent fund board is becoming more and more political. They're not going to let a crisis go to waste. And there's a piece in the ADN that talks specifically about this. James Brooks over at the Alaska Beacon writes about it. Um, so they're, they've got a study, they've got a warning. We're going to run out of money. If you don't do what we tell you to do, give us the, uh, give us the rundown here. Yeah, after having drained the earnings reserve by eight billion dollars to move it over prematurely over to the uh, over to the corpus, and then and telling everybody at the time they're doing that we're doing it to advance pay uh, inflation proofing, but now they seem to have forgotten that it's just eight billion dollars over in the corpus, and oh my god, the earnings reserve is suddenly out of money. <laughs> it's um, uh, you know to some degree I chuckle at it because it's all staged. It's all being staged for a reason um, uh, to, to combine the two 
funds together, and I'll get to that in just a second. But it's all being staged. And, and the sad thing about it is the media is buying the staging hook, line, and sinker. They're not even they're not even peeking a little bit behind the curtain and saying, hey, what happened to that $8 billion? Uh, what happened to that $4 billion that was originally for uh, for inflation proofing that uh, that didn't get all consumed, and then all of a sudden the balance of it went into uh, uh, went into the, the corpus. And what happened to the other four billion dollars that uh, uh, that was supposed to be uh, that was supposed to be for inflation proofing? It's it's all staged, Michael, and it's and it and it, it is really frustrating when you when you look at it uh, uh, from that perspective, seeing what they're doing, uh, and and the media not not examining it at all. Here's what's really going on: they want to consolidate. The two funds together, and so they've and when when they think they've got an opening, they've staged the the crisis to be able to do that. Um, and and why do you want to consolidate the two funds? Why do you want to consolidate the corpus and the earnings reserve? Well, that's because they're concerned they're going to take money out of the earnings reserve faster than it gets replenished from the corpus. That's because they're concerned that the corpus isn't going to produce produce the five percent return sufficient returns to cover the draw that is set up under the POMV statute uh, to take uh, to take the money out. So so what what's the what's the real concern? The real concern is they're not going to have enough money in the earnings reserve to cover the draw and oh my god and then we're going to have to talk about taxes. Right. on the top 20%. So this is all being staged in order to set up a situation where you can continue dodging taxes by by saying that you're taking that five percent, even knowing that the corpus isn't producing enough to to, to fund the five percent. Say that you're taking the five percent. Uh, you're limiting yourself to just that five percent, but you start eating away at the corpus uh, in order to avoid taxes. There's there's another way to do this um, that again the media hasn't dived into, which is to reduce the draw. If you're concerned that the corpus isn't going to produce 5%, which is to reduce the draw down to 4.5% or 4% or, or whatever you're, you're comfortable with that the, that, the, that the reserve is going to produce, that the corpus is going to produce in terms of, of rings. But you don't want it, but they don't want to do that because again, that would lead to one of two things. It would either lead to pressure for spending cuts or it would lead to pressure for taxes. And they and they don't want to go down either. The legislature doesn't want to go down either of those roads. So the so the the, the permanent fund board is becoming a willing uh, participant in this charade to stage uh, this crisis and then to suggest a solution to the crisis that enables uh, spending to continue and and taxes to be avoided. All the while saying, "Oh, but we're limiting our take to just to just five percent." It's a it's a. It, <laughs> It, it, it for somebody who goes to a lot of theater, it is a well managed play uh, that we're seeing a Kabuki theater in front of us, uh, as opposed to anything real. Which and has I, and, which and has the a lot of board, which has a lot of moving parts, right? Because this is in concert with the uh, the Senate Finance Committee and everything else, the movement of all this money and everything, and it's all just timed perfectly to to say, oh, look at where and again. Completely, James Brooks, who's usually you know pretty good about this stuff, he's totally forgotten about the four billion and the and the eight billion. He's totally forgotten about all these other. Nobody's asking the question: What happened to all that money? Oh, Why people did, are asking the question, yeah. but he's just he's just not reporting on it. And people yeah, in the legislature, exactly. and people in the legislature aren't asking the question. 
Yeah, it's uh, it's it's frightening. So does to you, does this look like a foregone conclusion that this is just what they're going to do and we're going to be it, it's going to we're going to be tooled on this? No, it's a it, it takes a constitutional amendment. So they're going to have to go through the process in the legislature and then bring it out to the public. Of course, uh, it, since it benefits the oil companies, the top 20 percent who want to avoid taxes. The push for it will be well funded. Uh, and we may end up there, but but there's a lot of steps between now and then, and uh, and hopefully uh, what's really going on, the stage managing that's going on, will will become apparent at some point, uh, and uh, and and people will react to that. I mean, I'm going to continue talking about it. I'm going to continue writing about it. Hopefully, others do as well, and uh, and 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 hopefully it won't uh, won't go through. But that's just that's just one thing that they're doing that that is is typifies the politicized board, uh, tip, the politicization of the board that, that's happened. The second is uh, is this proposal to do borrowing, that they're going to borrow, now it's 5%, it used to be 10%, uh, but now they're going to borrow 5% of the fund right. and have that, have, have, have that in a reserve. Um, they say they have it, they're going to have it in a reserve uh, in order to, uh, in order to, I think the latest excuse is to cover cash calls. If they have a cash call uh, on one of their investments, one of their private side investments, and uh, and they need additional cash, uh, it's going to cover that. This goes back, this whole concept of borrowing, at least in my memory, goes back to an op-ed that Alice Rogoff uh, uh, wrote back, in, back during the Walker administration, I want to say 2017, 2016, that proposed borrowing by the uh, permanent fund board as a bar borrowing by the permanent fund as a way of expanding the size of the permanent fund right. and generating additional returns. Now, now it was a bad idea then, but it's even a worse idea now. Back then, the cost of borrowing was like two percent, and so what you were what you told yourself was, "I'm going to get a six percent or seven percent equity return on the on the investments I make off this additional money." Um, and, and I'm only going to, my cost of borrowing is only going to be 2%. There's transaction fees. So let's say the total cost is 3%. I'm going to make a 4% return, uh, off the, off this additional money that, uh, that I've, that I've borrowed. Uh, and that was, that was the story back then. Now the cost of, 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 of financing is above 4%. I mean, the, the treasury bonds, 10, 20 and 30 year treasury bonds out there are all above 4%. Um, and so the, the cost of borrowing is going to be a lot higher. And what, what you've always got to be concerned about in these proposals and what private equity firms who do this are always concerned about is you've got to be dead certain that the, that the or else willing to take the, the hit, that the, that the, the equity uh, investments you're making off of this borrowed money uh, are going to produce those returns. If one right. or two of them go bad and your overall return is, let's say, 3.5% or 3.75%, Against a cost of borrowing of four percent or five percent, by the time you add in fees, you're you're gonna you're gonna be going backwards. You're gonna be you're gonna be losing money off right. of uh, off of this. And, right. And and so, but it's it, it's all set up. I mean, it's they, they want to go into the board wants to get to this hundred billion dollar mark. You know, the one that Ellie Rogoff talked about over in Saudi Arabia. They want to get to the they want to get to you know be in the game, be in the be, be one of the big boys. Um, and it's all set up in this in this you know grasp at at trying to get to this to this hundred billion dollar level. Let me tell you what the board did before the permanent fund did before we got into this 
situation before we had people talking about this. And people who have been in the oil industry listening to the show will 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 uh, will know this term and understand this term. The board high graded its investments. If they wanted to make an investment in something in in a new uh, project, or if they wanted to, if they had to meet a cash call in a project they liked, they sold the 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 assets that were at the bottom of the re, of the return projections. Uh, you high graded. You moved up. Um, if you wanted something new, if you wanted a new toy, you had to take a, an existing toy out of the out of the the toy shed and um, or the toy box and uh, and make room for the new toy. And that's you know, all companies do that. Investment firms do that. So, sovereign wealth funds do that. Everybody does that, and it's it's an accepted part of the business. That's what our guys. That's what the that's what the permanent fund corporation did. It high graded, and and that is a safe and secure as much safer than going out and getting debt is a safe and secure way of, you know, improving your assets um, along the way and improving your returns along the way. Now they don't want to high grade uh, or they want to, they want to reduce the amount of the, the high grade and they want to go out and borrow this money so they can avoid high grading, uh, avoid, you know, getting the bottom of the barrel um, uh, in order to, it, uh, by by using debt by by keep funding things all the things they have in the toy box add a new toy without having to take a toy out of the out of the out of the toy box and so the analysis you do in that situation is you look at the thing at the bottom of the barrel and say is the thing at the bottom of the barrel earning a better return than the debt cost because that's the trade off you either get rid of the thing at the bottom of the barrel or you or or you uh, or, or you're, you you expand you expand the barrel by by bringing on debt, and I will I will bet that they've got things that are sitting at the bottom of their toy box at the bottom of the barrel that aren't earning an, an above four percent return, and so what what all they're doing is they're not really financially thinking about this financially they're thinking about let's get to a hundred billion dollars let's let's you know let's grab for the brass ring and add right. in additional capital. Uh, just like Alice did in the twenty in the twenty sixteen editorial, let's let's grab for the brass ring and you know get additional get additional funding here and let's see if we can let's see if we can pull it off. It's not what the permanent fund's done in the past. It's not what the permanent fund was set up to do. They were set up to be a safe and secure way of growing Alaska's assets, and they're turning it into something else. It was not what it's not Rubenstein's little toy that she wants to ship prove that she can do the hundred million dollar thing. That's uh, you know. Here's the third thing, and this is sort of the key uh, to me of, of what's going on. In the governor's supplemental budget, not much in there, but but one of the things that's one of the things that that's in there is an is an appropriation, an additional appropriation of $150,000 to the Alaska Permanent Fund for get this, a global communications plan. The corporation is seeking a partnership with a global communications contractor to enhance their global presence with the goal of increasing opportunities for recruitment and investments. It's, 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 it's Ellie Rubenstein's, you know, and, and Jason, uh, 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 Bruni and, and Adam Crumb's, you know, political fund. It's to get their profile up. Uh, so Ellie, you know, looks big in the, in the investment community, Jason and Adam can look big as a, as a plot their runs for governor. Uh, we don't need a global communications specialist uh, to uh, to build up uh, the permanent fund. It's done. It's done just fine. 
So what what we see going on here is the politicization of the of the of the permanent fund, constitutional amendment to take care of the top twenty percent, so they don't have to worry about taxes anymore. Right. Oil companies, all my friends are fine. Borrowing in order to expand the scope, to to grab for the brass ring, and then a global communications plan to tell everybody how great we are. Sounds like a <laughs> sounds like a hot mess is what it sounds like. All right, Brad, we'll continue here in just a moment. Don't go anywhere. Uh, Brad Keithley and the Weekly Top 3 continues right after this. We're broadcasting live through a series of tubes. Allowing all of these entities to provide streaming stuff going on on the the, the Internet. Well, it's kind of hard to explain. Sorry. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Brad Keithley is our guest. I mean, it's... I mean, to, to be for global, what for global, what a hundred thousand, hundred fifty thousand dollars, hundred fifty thousand dollars for a global communications plan, seeking a partnership with a global communications contractor to enhance, enhance the permanent fund board's global presence with the goal of increasing opportunities for recruitment and investments. <laughs> As if, as if people who want financing for projects don't know their way to Juno already. Now we got to tell. Now we got to have a global communications plan so we can tell them, you know, what the what the way is to Juno. That's a fancy way of saying, "Look at me, look at me." Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's exactly what it is. Oh my gosh! And of course, they're gonna get it right. <clears throat> they're gonna get it because that's uh, well, they yeah. they've convinced the governor. They've convinced the governor. Mike Dunleavy, governor, I'm going to cut costs. I'm going to cut spending. I'm going to control spending. Then convince the governor to include it in his supplemental budget. I mean, it's, I, you know, I either, either Dunleavy's just, you know, checked out entirely, or I don't know. He's, he's going to support Crum or Bruni in their, in their run for governor, or Ellie's convinced him that there's, you know, a pot of gold. I don't know what's going on, but it's just, but it's just one more brick in the wall to help you see what's going on with the, with this permanent fund board. As I as I've said on previous shows, I think we ought to we ought to restructure the permanent fund board. They've they've gone off the edge. Uh, the fact they're all gubernatorial employees. Uh, the fact there's no real criteria on on making them investment uh, uh, gurus. Uh, it's or selecting investment gurus. It's just, I mean, it, it's it's the politicization of of the sixty billion to seventy billion dollar fund, um, and there's, <laughs> and they're just rolling along, and they're making up their stories and they're plotting, and they're eight billion dollars. Oh, that's our money now. Forget that. You know that yeah. wasn't for. Yeah, it's just. I mean, it's it's just it's just the theater. And if you understand the game, as I say, it's almost it's a comedy. It's almost it's almost humorous to see the way they're plotting it out. But but it's it's serious business. It is, and it's frustrating to watch. And what's more frustrating, as you said earlier, is folks like uh, James Brooks and others are not asking these questions, are not asking these questions about what's going on and why are they, you know, uh, why are we at this position um, that we're being we're being toyed with. I mean, we're, 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 again, 
I think your term use of the word toy box was not a was not a bad choice because that's what it feels like. The rich and wealthy are using us as just kind of the toys to, you know, Ellie Ellie Rubenstein wants to, you know, hey, I I can uh, look at look at me. Look at me. I've got a hundred million hundred billion dollar toy. I can do it. I guess I can. I can girl power. You know, watch me watch me go. And uh and that's hey, what and that's what it's about. And, and mom had this idea. My brilliant business person yeah. mother had oh, this yeah. idea. <laughs> She's of going a... out and borrowing a bunch of money to do it. I mean, yeah. come brilliant. On. I, brilliant. It's you we we got along for however, however many years, 35 years, 38 years, whatever whatever period of time it's been. Fine with the permanent fund board acting like a true, you know, investment board. Now we got them, you know, now we got these characters in there who are playing games, wanting to promote their political agendas, wanting to promote their personal, you know, profiles and their personal agendas, probably on Instagram someplace, um, you know, out there, out there, look at a hundred billion dollars. Yeah. Remember, you remember that, you remember that picture of the, of, of Trump's secretary of the treasury and his wife at the, at the, at the money printing uh, 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 place in, in Philadelphia, you know, looking at all these rolls of, oh, of the, dollars. Yeah. The mint. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. And it, this, this is sort of like Ellie, you know, I got a hundred billion dollars. Look yeah. at me with my hands on a hundred billion dollars. No, it's insane. And then the worst part was, is like Dermot Cole said, I mean, they basically were, they were saying, oh, that's not what we, we didn't really want to do that. We didn't really want to. All right. Well, let's get to number two. Uh, here we go. We're 15 seconds out. Like, share, subscribe, ring the bell, do all the things. Um, uh, let's, let's. Man, I don't even know what to say to this. Here we go. <laughs> Jumping back into it. The Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Let's do it. Okay, Brad Keithley is our guest. Uh, we are uh, continuing now <clears throat> the weekly top three. Just finished up with number one, moving on to number two of the weekly top three, which is the fact that, my God, we actually agreed with Larry Persilli on something. I think the earth just, just stuttered, screeched to a halt. It's amazing. Um, I agreed with about 98% of this article, Brad. I was really shocked uh, that that was what was going on. But hit me hit me with it here. What do we got? So Larry, in one of his periodic columns, uh, has an op-ed in the Anchorage Daily News. The title of it is, Alaska Lawmakers Shouldn't Empty the Pocket That Feeds Us. And normally you would think that would be about permanent fund earnings. Um, and, and it is in a way. But what he's really talking about is the CBR, the Constitutional Budget Reserve. Um, and, and he's, he's referencing a, uh, a discussion that occurred in Senate finance. I think it was Senate finance, uh, between the Donnelly administration's new OMB director and the, and the committee, it was Senate finance because it was Burt on the other side of this discussion, uh, about the, the Dunleavy administration's comfort in taking the CBR which once held $12 billion, $13 billion, $14, $15 billion, somewhere in that neighborhood, uh, taking the CBR down to $500 million uh, in order to cover 
the deficit uh, that uh, uh, this year's deficit that uh, the Dunleavy that the Dunleavy's proposed budget uh, has out there, um, and and the exchange was uh, the exchange went along the lines of well I thought you said before this is sort of Bert talking I thought you said before that we really should keep two billion dollars in the in the CBR which again is down from the twelve. $13 billion that it, that it was at one point and would have been higher if you would have kept it because it would have kept earning returns. Um, uh, I thought you've said before, we ought to keep, keep about $2 billion. Well, and the response was, well, yeah, but you know, <laughs> that'd be nice, but, but we can probably scrape along at $500 million. And, and personally's concern is, is a valid one. A $500 million may not be enough. If we have an earthquake, if we have any sort of, if, if we have the oil pipeline cut off like we did, when was that, 1996 or 2006 or something, if we have the, 2006, if we have the pipeline cut off uh, for a while and the cash flow from royalties and, uh, and production taxes would, uh, would stop for a while, or we have an earthquake, or we have any sort of, of bad situation, we don't have cash reserves anymore sitting around to be able to tide us through. Uh, we would, at that point, essentially have to go, the only savings account, and it's not a savings account, the only account that would have any cash in it is the earnings reserve account. We'd have to go hit the earnings reserve account for more than the 5% in order to, in order to cover us. Um, and, so it's, and so that $500 million is not enough. Uh, you can't find, you wouldn't really be able to find any economist or any accountant that would tell you that that $500 million is enough to, to you know, to, to, to sit there as a reserve for a state the size of Alaska with the, with Alaska's, you know, uh, potential problems uh, to, to use that, to have that as the size of the reserve. So Larry's column is really, you know, taking the administration to task for that. I agree with that 100%. It, it is, it is unbelievable unbelievable to think that we would have an administration that would take the CBR that was one down once at, you know, 12 to $15 billion to have, take it down uh, to $500 million and think that would be acceptable. But I go one step farther than that. We have an obligation, a constitutional obligation to pay back. I was just going to say, where's the, where's the comment? Where is the, there is a mandate to have $10 billion in that account. Where is the, Where's the discussion on the constitutional requirement for that? There's not a single word in there on it. And 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 the and the whole the whole thing that's going on. And it's, and it's sort of shameful to say this for from as a as a member of this generation, but the whole thing that's going on is this generation is using up all of the reserves, the financial reserves. We used up the SBR that was gone in a in, in almost a heartbeat. We've we've drained the CBR over the course of the 20 teens and into the tw early 2020s, uh, all to make our life easier, all to make our life to avoid taxes, to avoid or to avoid spend spending cuts. One of the two, all to make our life so that we could have everything we wanted in terms of spending and not have to pay for it. In terms of in, at least the top 20 percent, not have to pay for it middle and lower income Alaska families have through PFD cuts, but not, but not have to pay for it. We could have free goods uh, uh, all along this time. And personally makes the point, and I think, you know, I would just jump up and down on this point 
as I guess I'm going to do right now. I would just jump up and down on this point and say, look, it's not it, 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 it is it is unethical for this generation to drain all of those reserves and not even have a plan to uh, of how to refill them. You know, I've written a few columns and we've had a few discussions on this show that when I when I do a budget, I add in a line for CBR repayment. And 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 it says, you know, this is amortizing the payback of the of the CBR over 10 years, 15 years. Pick a number. It ought to be shorter than that, but let's pick a number in order to put future generations who are going to have as many financial problems as we have had in order to put future generations in the same position from a standpoint of fiscal reserves as we have enjoyed ourselves uh, from the early 20 teens on and have that payback be on an amortization schedule, not even including interest. I mean, forget the interest, just on an amortization schedule to pay back the principal over some period of time. I Early in Dunleavy's administration, I, I trolled that out as an idea and it was just like, what? You're, are you crazy? Right. We're yeah. not going to pay that back. Why would we ever pay that back? It's We're just going to live additional draws on it. Well, that's turned out to be false too. Well, I mean, again, how do we ignore the constitution? How do we just say, well, I would just, we'll just keep kicking that can down the road. The most, the most interesting thing in that whole thing, by the way, was the fact where she acknowledges the, uh, the due finance director, Lacey Sanders, uh, OMB director says she acknowledges. We also recognize the state's in a position right now where we do not have a fiscal plan. You think, <laughs> You think? I mean, that's the first time they said the quiet part out loud, but you think you haven't? I mean, come on, really, really? Oh, they do have a fiscal plan. The fiscal plan is to keep spending and and keep having middle and lower income Alaska families pay for the PFD cuts. That's what Gary and, said. Uh, that's what Gary said. Remember, he said, well, the 7525 is the fiscal plan. Okay. Okay. All right. But even with even with that, you get out five years and and you can't sustain that. At the level of spending that's, that's projected by legislative finance, which probably has the best clue about about where spending levels are going of uh, of anybody, you can't even sustain twenty five seventy five. They'll be coming back and saying, "Oh well, you don't really need twenty five percent. You need like seven hundred and fifty dollars, aren't like a senior bonus, right?" But what we really need now is just is just the senior. You don't really need longevity. That. Yeah, let's just do it. And and it's just I I but but personally is right. I mean, and and. And we are just killing not only ourselves, ultimately ourselves in the next five or 10 years. We are, we are horrible, doing horrible things to future generations. You know, people talk about being Christians and, you know, talk about being, you know, that, that we're ethical and we're moral and we're doing all these things that, 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 you know, is, is, is justified. We're, you know, giving, giving, transferring money to the poor. We're, you know, setting up all these programs. Yeah, well, what about, what about, you know, the, the big one, which is providing for the people that come after? Oh yeah. Well, we're not worried about them. We're just gonna, we're just gonna take all their money. And, and, and when they, and when they get in control, we'll go surprise. Look at, look at the, look at the cash box. Moths, moths fly out. (laughs) Or no, there's a do, there's a bill due in the cash box. It's not moths. It's like it's a it's a thing. It's a statement of debt. Here you go. Here's your payment plan. I can't believe how irresponsible we're being with respect to future generations. I mean, it yes, it's a strain. It's a strain to pay as you go. It's a strain to be 
financially responsible, not run the bank account up or not run the, the, the debt costs up. It's a strain to live within your means. Um, and, but you know, the legislature in its infinite wisdom has decided it doesn't, it doesn't want to live within its means. It wants to, you know, spend on all these programs and wants to add additional programs on top of those and, and, uh, and not tax, you know, all Alaskans only tax uh, the middle and lower income Alaskans. It's just, it, it's it, this, this typifies, this typifies how bad this legislature and the legislatures over the last 10 years and the administrations over the last 10 years, not to pick on Dunleavy alone, but to certainly pick on him because he's continuing the trend that, uh, that Sean Parnell started and that, that Bill Walker continued. And now Mike Dunleavy uh, has continued. It is one constant slide as, as you, as you can look at the CBR amount, you see that slide going as one constant slide into the abyss. And now we're right at the tip. It's sort of like a slide. Yeah. And now we're at the tip of the slide and we're just about to skate off, you know, into the, into the, right in, into the Canyon. <laughs> it's like one of those big water slides where you're like, no, 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 no. Too late. There you go. You're going down. There you go. Um, it's, um, <clears throat> I mean, this is this is just crazy. And again, the fact that they acknowledge that there is no plan, there is nothing else. We're just going to keep um, we're just going to keep going and we're not going to pay back the money that we're constitutionally obligated to to pay. We'll just keep pushing that off. Are you crazy? Why would we amortize that out? We don't want to do that. It's just um, it, I mean, I, it's insane. I, it's nutty. I still re I still remember the discussion I had with people in the Dunleavy campaign about that. It was like. I mean, they just stared through me. It was sort of like, we're never going to do that. Why would we do that? We may get to a point where we can do it someday, but but we're not going to we're not going to amortize it. We're not going to you know admit the re, the liability and the responsibility that this generation has to future generations. Hell no, we're not going to do that. And now you know they've made it worse, and now they're making it even worse. You know, even Walker sort of said we're going to stop at two billion now. He, he, that's when he that's when he still had a lot of money and he could say two billion relatively easily. Now that we're at two billion or less than two billion, now we're saying five hundred million. Come on, yeah. If we if we if we have an earth a major earthquake or if we have an interruption of that oil pipeline, we are in deep, huge, massive problems. Right, because what's the average supplemental budget? Somewhere between two and three hundred million dollars. Now you add some kind of crisis on top of that, you got another couple hundred million. That your five hundred million is gone with the wind, right? I mean, it's like you know, just on a supplemental budget that may come around the next year. You have no idea. Five hundred million is a, is a drop in the ocean. Yeah, and 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 next year, you know, I fully expect next year is going to be well. We could we we've, we've analyzed it now. We can skate by on two hundred and fifty million. I mean, it's just I it, this this just keeps going down and it keeps getting worse and worse and worse and worse. And and this administration has done nothing to make it better. In fact, they've made it worse. The legislature, this legislature has done nothing to make it better. In fact, they've made it worse. And and personally, it's right to call them out. Uh, call all of them out. Uh, the minority, the majority, the governor, everybody, call them all out for the uh, for the situation that they've uh, that they've created. Brad Keithley is our guest, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. I dropped something. Um, we're going to uh, continue here. We're running up against the break. We got one final thing to uh, jump into. Don't go anywhere. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. 
Don't forget, you can always come out and join us on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Michael Duke Show slash live is the uh, where you go. You can come out here and be part of it. We'll be back with more in just a moment. Don't go anywhere. Listened to by more staffers in Juno than any other show. Because their bosses told them to. And after what they just heard, oh man, they're gonna be best. You're a bad, bad man. The Michael Duke Show. <laughs> just we couldn't do that. I mean, what what about the Constitution? I would just we we couldn't do that. What is the answer? I mean, I just the thing is, is that nobody wants to nobody wants to pony up uh, and be responsible for what we've done in the past. No, this is not all the Dunleavy administration's fault. The Parnell administration was the one that spent, you know, ten billion dollars during their tenure. Uh, but I mean, and the Walker administration did, and every. But at some point, somebody's got to go. Whoa, hey, we got to pay this money back. This is the this is the answer to what's going on, right, Brad? Yeah, exactly. And 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 Dunleavy, I mean, the reason that Dunleavy comes in for some criticism on this is that Dunleavy said, we're going to be different. Dunleavy ran against Walker, Walker for ran against Walker for re-election, saying, we're going to be different. We're going to do this stuff differently. We're going to, we're going to be fiscally responsible. We're going to be financially, you know, uh, accountable for uh for for how we for how we run government. Um, and we're gonna, you know, we're gonna, we're gonna rebuild, uh, rebuild Alaska. Alaska's fiscal situation from the from the from the state in which he found it. He's made it worse. He's he, Alaska's fiscal situation has continued to go south uh, during the Dunleavy administration. Now you know the legislature certainly has a has a big share of, of of accountability or responsibility for for that as well. But the Dunleavy administration itself has made it worse. His own budget proposals uh, have have made it worse. His signing. The budgets that the legislature has approved uh, has made it worse. His failure to include some sort of amortization for the CBR. I mean, you know, pick 20 years. I don't care exactly what the number is, but pick some amortization period where you're going to put future generations back in the position that that we found that we were, you know, found ourselves in in the early 20 teens where we had all this pot of cash that we can sort of ride out what we thought was going to be a temporary way. At least, you know, have some plan for how you're going to put future generations back in the same position. We don't. We don't. We don't have any amortization plan for repaying the CBR. Right. And the the constitutional problem is, yes, we have an obligation to repay the CBR, but there's no schedule set forth in in the Constitution for how soon you have to pay it back. So everybody goes, well, I'll do that tomorrow. I'll get to that tomorrow. Well, Tomorrow came and went <laughs> a few years ago, and now and now we're just beyond the we're beyond the looking glass someplace. We've been underneath the ten billion dollar mark for ten years, and we haven't paid back. I mean, our, we don't have a plan to pay back anything at this point. So, I mean, at some point, you got to ask questions like, "What I mean, <laughs> are we are we really planning, or are we just going to ignore? Is this going to take another one of those lawsuits where you go to the Supreme, you sue the state to say they've got to pay it back? 
and you got to go to court and say, the Constitution says this, what's the deal? I mean, you know, is that what it's going to take to get them to acknowledge that there's a liability? Or do they just, do the courts just say, well, it says you have to pay it back, but it doesn't give you a time frame, so you can't sue them right now over it. I mean, what you know. That's what the court would say. The court would say it's in the infinite wisdom of the legislature. And hey, guys, you elect the legislature. So, you know, as, as Kevin McCabe said in, a, in, a, in an exchange we had, uh, it's really the voters' fault. It's not really the legislators' fault. It's really the voters' fault for who they sent who they sent to the legislature. No, come on, come on. Legislators have an obligation to lead, right? They have a responsibility to actually see issues. Uh, they're in a position to see issues. They have a responsibility to see issues. And they have a responsibility to talk about it. If, even if they can't do anything about, it, even if they're outvoted, at least the ones who see it have a responsibility to to talk about it, hold hearings on it. You know take their their special order time at the end of the at the end of each session to talk about it and and hopefully get on the on the chart with the with the media uh, but we don't we don't even do that it's just you know it's some it's somebody this state has become great at finger pointing right it's not my fault it's the voters fault it's not my fault it's the legislature's fault it's not my fault it's the governor's fault it's always somebody else's fault and and we don't have you know, Governor Dunleavy promised in, in, in 2018 to be the one to stand up and say halt to all this and, and reverse it. But we don't have anybody who's really done that. I mean, we've right. got we've got people who talk about it occasionally, but nobody has really stood up to do it. Uh, Kevin says it's 21, 11 and one, Brad. That's the answer. <laughs> I mean, he's not wrong. Uh, and, it, and, it, Kevin, and my response to that is, Kevin, take your special order time for the next two weeks and talk about this issue. And, and get on the radar by talking about this issue. Yeah. And, and you and you and I know you chair transportation and I know it's sort of tough to shoehorn this into transportation, but but do something to create a hearing on this issue in transportation. We, we can't fi finance future transportation if we don't solve this problem. You've got you've got tools that you can use to be able to publicize this issue. It's an important issue because it's going to come back. The, the worst thing is, is that this will come back and bite us at the worst time. You know what I mean? It'll be like the worst time when we really, it, you know, one way or the other, it'll bite us because we don't have the money or it'll bite us because we have to put the money in regardless of what happens. It's it's crazy. Here we go. Keithley joins us every week to discuss oil, gas, and the economic forecast of Alaska. It's the Michael Dukes Show. Uh, let's uh, let's continue on here. Brad Keithley, Alaska's for sustainable budgets, the final of the weekly top three. Uh, the big three, and that is the defined benefits plan. It has become, as Brad says, the prover proverbial proverbial the proverbial pig in a poke uh brad give me give me your thoughts on this here what are we talking about well tim bradner did a uh did an article for the frontiersman that that talked about the three issues uh that he thought were the big issues that were remaining on the table education pensions uh and energy fiscal plans not among them <laughs> forget forget about that we're let's deal with something else since we can't deal with fiscal plan uh, education, pensions, and energy. And pensions, uh, it, it, pensions is just sort of, 
it's just one of those issues that just really galls me. I mean, um, so the Senate's passed a bill and, and the bill's over in the House for the House to consider. It's in, I think it's still in the subcommittee that, uh, that Craig Johnson uh, uh, created uh, to consider it. Um, and, and so we've got a bill that's, that's over in the House. But here's the deal about that bill. And I know, I know you've talked about it on the show before, but it just really, it just really lights me up when I, when I think about this. So there was a fiscal note about this bill that was done in accordance with usual procedures and um, in, in 2013, in the 2013 session, done in accordance with usual procedures and published and, and showed that this bill could cost the state quite a bit. What they did with that fiscal, what they did with that analysis just drives me up a wall. It, this is this is the new fiscal note that replaced the old fiscal note. This is what they say. The previous version of this fiscal note was derived from an analysis provided by the Department of Revenue and Benefits Consulting Actuary. You know, the one who actually deals with this stuff on a regular basis. Buck's analysis indicated two separate impacts on future state budgets, direct costs for state employees and additional state contributions to municipal and school direct uh, employees in excess of the statutory minimum maximum contribution levels. And it showed that this was going to, and that fiscal note showed uh, that there was going to be a, a, pro a problem with that. Next paragraph. Buck is in the process of revisiting this analysis, basically because finance didn't like it, basically because Kathy Giesel and finance didn't like it. Given both updated workforce data as well as the changes made in the Senate Finance Committee substitute, because this analysis will not be available for several weeks, because it takes actuaries a while to do these things, the Finance Committee is producing their own fiscal note with the input and assistance of the committee's own contract actuary. It is understood and expected the committee's fiscal note will be superseded once the buck analysis, in other words, once we've had them in the back room and beat them up enough so that they produce one that we like, once the buck analysis is complete. Additionally, the committee had concerns with the prior buck analysis because of the way it incorporated future changes to the workforce. And it goes on and on and on about how this old fiscal note uh, done by the people that normally do fiscal notes, how this old fiscal note just wasn't what we wanted. So we had our consultant come in and do one. And that's what we're going to, and that's what we're going to pass this bill on. We have no clue. We honestly have no clue using, using somebody other than the committee's own consultant. We have no clue. Uh, about what uh, about what this 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 is going to cost because we essentially took the people who who normally do the fiscal notes on these things and took them in a back room and are beating them up until they until they come up with the with the, with the answer we want and and you know I, I looked up the definition of pig in a poke and, and it fits it perfectly we don't know what this sucker is going to cost we know what Senate finance what the Senate Finance Committee's consultant that they retained to do to, to replace Buck, we know what they think it's going to cost, but I have no faith that the that the committee's consultant, uh, uh, after they trashed uh, the old, after they trashed their existing consultant, after the committee's consultant came up with a number, I have no faith that uh, that uh, that they that the number is uh, that the number is any good. Tellingly, tellingly, on the floor of the Senate. Two of the three finance committee co-chairs voted against the bill. Right. And they said, whoa, whoa, wait a second. This is not. Yeah, this this is. And here's the thing that we've seen this in the past. I mean, and actuarials matter. 
folks, by the way. That's how we got so upside down in that first defined benefits program is we had actuarials that weren't doing the job, right? Or they were they were mismanaging it and they weren't doing the right thing. That's how we ended up so upside down in our previous defined benefits program. So I'm assuming that this actuarial was taking all that into account when he wrote this first one. And then they're like, no, 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 this is way too high. So we're going to hire our own consultant to come in who's going to tell us what we want. I mean, this is just, you know, this is insane. And where is that second report? It's been six weeks, seven weeks. Where is this second report that that keeps saying that it's going to come out? I mean, do we have to pass it before we figure out what the thing is going to cost? Is that the deal? They're waiting to drop it the minute that the ink is dry on the bill? I mean, what's going on? Yeah, I well, hopefully, hopefully that's hopefully the house is going to be responsible in this regard and and not uh, not pass it out uh, uh, in uh, uh, without without a fiscal note. But it's just, I mean, it's just so you know the press is full of the press is full of the Senate passed it out. Oh my God, you know this is part of the solution to retaining people. Kathy Geisel, the new Kathy Geisel. I'm not sure what happened to the old Kathy Geisel, but the new Kathy Geisel. Is out there touting that you know we need it to retain workforce, we need it to retain teachers, we need it, you know, we just need it. And um, I, I thought often, did did Vince Belt- Beltrami actually win that that race against Kathy and, and just <laughs> just clone her, put on yeah, just put on Kathy's face or something? <laughs> but it's but it's uh, it, it's it, it, I mean, this is Geisel out there selling this. And and you have an actuarial report that isn't what you want, so you just replace the actuary, and 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 come in with another actuary. This is the classic definition of pig in a poke. We don't know what we're getting, and we know the Senate's passed it. Although the two, two of the three uh, Senate Finance Committee chairman or co-chairman voted against it, we we the Senate passed it. They wanted to get it out, and this stuff matters because because as as even Gary Stevens, the president of the Senate, admitted. Look, you know, once we pass this, we set up a constitutional claim uh, against the permanent fund for the results. I mean, the Constitution uh, includes a provision that says that that it is that that you know retirement benefits to public employees are constitutionally guaranteed. So once you pass this, once you create this tier, you can't roll it back by by new statutes. It it is it takes on constitutional protections, and and we can't undo it. I mean, we can create a new tier for those going forward, but we can't undo those that are that those that will fall into this tier. And this tier goes back and captures all of the people who have been under defined contribution by giving them the opportunity to opt in uh, to the defined benefit plan. So we're we're about to, you know, if this bill would pass, we would scoop up all those people in the past that we had under defined contribution, dump them into this defined benefit plan, and then put a constitutional protection around this defined benefit plan. Going forward, and we and, and we and we're doing all this, or the Senate passed a bill that does all this without knowing what the numbers are, with with only knowing numbers that their own consultant came up with. So it's just, I mean, it, it it's it's a, you know, you wonder how we, you wonder how we got into this situation. This may be the, you know, if you were ever going to write a story for how Alaska yeah. killed itself, this is this a- may be the. Maybe yeah. the first paragraph. This is exactly it. This is the this is the uh, the case study for how we submarined our own future, right here. Brad, less than about about ninety seconds here. Give us your final thoughts. Oh, my final thoughts is this legislature is going off track. Um, not not surprising about that, but uh, 
but you know, the administration's gone off track. The, the legislature, the legislature's going off track, uh, and the permanent fund board's going off track. And 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 we're not we're not acting responsibly anymore. We're acting in the heat of the moment to do things that we're going to look back on and and really regret. I regret them already. What do you mean looking back and regret? I regret them as they're happening. I'm just watching this going, why? Why do you do this, people? Um, well, we'll see. We'll see how prog we'll see how prescient we are on this, how how well we prognosticated on this, Brad, uh, here in the near future. Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. You can find him at ak4sb.com and of course on Twitter and Facebook and everything else. Uh, thank you, my friend, for coming on board. We appreciate it. Michael, as always, thanks for having me. Folks, Hour 2 is dead ahead. Chris Story, and um, I don't know what I'm going to talk about, but it'll be something. It's all coming up right now, The Michael Luke Show. Yeah, uh, just watching this stuff, Brad, it's just, it's so painful to just watch the, the, like this defined benefits thing yes of course we have to pass it to figure out how much it's going to cost you are going to constitutionally guarantee a multi-billion dollar plan and you have no idea what the actual costs are going to be you've got a you know what did somebody said uh, kevin said deep fake fiscal note You've got a fiscal note that's made up by your own consultant, not by the people who are doing the job full time already, uh, because you didn't like the first version of that. I mean, I'm just, I, I, and that's just one thing. That's just the defined benefits thing. That's not everything else we've talked about today, but that's enough to just make your head explode when you think about that. Yeah, I, it, it, it is, Michael. I, we've got, we have turned into a state where everybody's out for themselves, right? Uh, you know, yeah, yeah, we're probably going down. So let me grab for the brass ring, you know, um, uh, for myself, uh, while, while we're going down, let me, let me, you know, get $150,000 to hire a global consultant, global communications consultant. So I can look good as I get ready to, to run for governor, or as I get ready to, uh, you know, go on the speaking tour in Saudi Arabia again. Um, you know, let me, let me borrow a bunch of money. Don't make me high grade. Don't make me make choices. Don't make me do my job. Just give me a bunch more money to, to borrow so that I can, you know, just keep keep building, you know, say I'm building this fund. If it, and, if, and if it all comes down, well, you know, I'll just go off to something else. It's just, it, we've, we've got a state. I mean, you can see this with the PFD. You can see it with, with the CBR. We've got a state where everybody's out for themselves. We've taken this individualism that we prize here to to the nth degree to beyond the beyond the edge of the edge of the of the pale pale and and we've got people who are just grabbing for you know whatever they can get as they go it's in the legislature you know with with all these programs you know we got teachers <laughs> people talk about all company representatives in the legislature and how bad it is they're voting on uh, voting on uh, oil uh, tax bills. Uh, well, we got teachers in the legislature <laughs> that are voting on on K through twelve bills. We got le- we, we got legislators in the legislature voting on their own sixty seven percent pay raises for those who are about to retire. I mean, uh, come on, man. We got legis- we got legislators who have put themselves all into the top twenty percent who are voting. You know, who are who are voting on 
do we tax me or do we tax middle and lower income Alaska families? Oh, I got an idea. Let's tax middle and lower income Alaska families. Don't don't touch me because because my donors would be all upset about that. It's it, everybody we've we, we've taken individual individualism to the point where everybody's just grabbing for a little bit for themselves. And it's just I, it's it, it's disgusting. It's disappointing. It's unethical. I mean, look, if, if, if you're a 20 year old today listening to this program, you're getting stuck with the bill. We've drained the CBR down. We're not paying the CBR back in about 10 years time. As Michael says, we're going to open the money box and there's just going to be there's not going to be money in there. Like, you know, this generation had back in the early 20 teens, there's going to be a bill in there. It would be like dumb and dumber with all the IOUs. It's just like, I just, you know. It... <laughs> and, and it's, and it's, and it's become, I mean, the majority's the, the minority's doing it in the, in, in the, in the, in the house, the majority's doing it. Everybody's just doing it. And, and it's just, and Dunleavy's doing it, you know, give me a raise, you know, increase, increase the, the, the pay is for, for all of the, you know, executives on all of the boards pay Frank Richards over at the Alaska gas line, which isn't going anyplace, pay him $450,000. I mean, just everybody's grabbing for a little bit for themselves as the ship's going down and no one's saying, wait, the ship's going down. <laughs> and, 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 and we're just, we're just continue going in this direction. It's, um, uh... It's frustrating to watch. I mean, this is this is kind of the major frustration that you and I face because we've been talking about these things for ten years, and they just keep it just keeps coming back over and over and over again. And it's like you could see the train wreck coming, and you can't look away, but you know it's it's nobody's listening. Nobody's listening. It's called a golden parachute, says Chris, and that's exactly right. That's the golden parachute. That's what everybody in government is doing right now. They're searching for that golden parachute so they can yank the yank the cord and and be bailed out on their way out. It doesn't matter as long as they got theirs. Everybody else can do whatever they want. They got theirs on the way out, and they're fine. And yep, that's uh, that's a sad that's a sad state of affairs because there's a lot of us out here in the private sector who would be like, we're holding the bag on everything. Um, maybe we should have been a little more selfish, Brad. Maybe we should have been a little, <laughs> a little more, maybe I, sh maybe I should run for office next year and be like, I am in it for me, folks. I'm in it for me. I'm going to go in there and I'm going to get a good retirement and I'm leaving. I'm just wanted to let you know that I don't plan on being there long. I plan on going in there and getting mine. So vote for me. Give me a defined benefit, by the way, on the, on the, on the, on the way in. Yeah. It's, yeah. um, and, and yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, if CBR, oh, we can get by with $250 million. Let's just take, let's just take more and put it and put it into spending or put it in. It'll actually tax, look good if we borrow money. against it. If we borrow against it and, and go into the negative, we borrow a billion dollars on that 500 million. It'll look better on the books. So let's do that. <laughs> I'm all about that. I you know, suppose. and Michael, Michael, you know, so we're going to have governor gubernatorial candidates starting the next year or so. And they're yeah. all going to say, I'm going to be different. And after Dunleavy, how do you, how do you trust even that? I just don't even know, man. I just don't even know at this point. It's, it's crazy. All right. Well, Brad, thank you so much for coming on board. Unless you want to, uh, unless you want to uh, continue on this discussion, I'll let you go. 
<laughs> no, I, we've had enough of this discussion for the day. Yeah. I, I appreciate it. All right. Good to see you, Michael. Thanks. Uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks so much. Folks, we're out of time. The Michael Duke Show. We're going up to hour two right now. Put that thing back in its holster. We haven't gone anywhere. I don't understand. Check out the MichaelDukesShow.com for information on how to get access to the podcast. Welcome to the party, pal. The, the Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Live around the world on the internet at MichaelDukeShow.com and across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or FM uh, translator. Good morning and welcome back to the program. Uh, it is hour two. Uh, first and foremost, um, I would love to, uh, I would love to uh, uh, say thank you. Uh, and welcome to a couple uh, a couple new folks uh, in the Common Sense Corps. Uh, we talked about uh, Vivian. She's a new member of the Common Sense Corps. Uh, and Rob, uh, also a new member of the Common Sense Corps. Uh, and uh, we appreciate you guys coming on board and joining us. If you'd like to help support the show, you could do that as well by becoming a member. Uh, it's just kind of the cool kids club. For as little as three bucks a month, you get access to the private Facebook group and more, which uh, reminds me I need to send out the emails to uh, Rob and Victoria for that. So we will do that here shortly. Um, and give them a chance to participate in all that kind of stuff. Anyway, go check it out, uh, michaeldukeshow.com. Just click on Join the core, and it will take you where you need to go to figure out all that stuff. Okay. Um, we've got it. Uh, I, we've got, we got, we got stuff to, we got stuff to talk about. Um, I... <laughs> All right. So first and foremost, uh, I'm looking at what's happening with this uh, HB or SB 140. So that was yesterday, right? Um, and it got blown up in the house. So Bryce Edgman, Neil Foster, C.J. McCormick, they all voted with a minority not to accept the rules committee version. Um, David Eastman is quoted in the um, quoted in the ADN as saying um, that it was a um, injury to the public transparency. He said the measure because it was done in committee, it was an injury to the public transparency before voting against it. Um, now, the 
the word on the street is is that uh, Eastman has been in and out of Calvin Schrage's office to advise the minority on strategy and procedure over the last couple days. This is another one of those, if I can't have mine, I'm going to burn everybody down kind of thing, which is, I mean, that. I think that that's the that's the that's the play here. That appears to be the play here. That's what's going on. So, um, the, I mean, who knows what's going to happen with this? Now they have uh, just a couple days. Um, where is it here? I'm looking. I'm looking for it because it's they quote C.J. McCormick uh, in the uh, KTUU article. He said, uh, uh, "No, Craig Johnson, not C.J. McCormick, but Craig Johnson." The high-speed internet for schools, if we don't get it done within the next two or three days, that's gone. So we have basically sent a message to the education community that we don't care. I suggested we hear the bill. We have amendments. We vote them up. We vote them down. But to stop now is to surrender, and I'm not prepared to surrender. It's never been in my makeup. Now, Will Stapp from Fairbanks, who I like Will. He's a nice guy. I don't always agree with his uh, analysis of stuff, but he's then quoted in the paper as saying schools in his district are in the, are on the verge of clothing, closing, clothing. They're on the verge of clothing. They're on the verge of closing. They will be closing within a month, Madam Speaker. So I think we should take up this issue now. Um, I didn't realize that they were closing all the schools in the Fairbanks North Star Borough. Um, because of their shortfall, which is, we know is not true. I mean, it's just, that's the thing. When you say things like that, we know that it's not true. Yes, they are making cuts. Yes, they're going to be doing some closures in school. They're going to move some of the kids around. They've already talked about how the number of, uh, you know, the the student-teacher ratio is going to change. We know that they're going to change a few schools. They're going to close some down. Uh, and consolidate with others. But just this, oh, they're going to be closed. Our schools and the districts are on the verge of closing. But this SB 140 goes just, you know, I am just so sick of this fight. I, I really, at this point, I just look at this and I go, you guys, you, you, you we are just losing. And, you know, the worst part of this whole thing this omnibus education bill, um, it really is about, first of all, you have to look back to the original, you have to go back to the, this when it was not an omnibus, when it was just a single subject, when it was just a single thing, SB 140. It was sponsored by Lyman Hoffman to bring more broadband to rural Alaska through this grant program. Now, it would benefit the villages, but not just the villages, but Quintillion specifically. The company that's bringing fiber optic to the instead of, even though Starlink would be cheaper, because it's bringing. So even the beginning of this bill, I have questions about the beginning of this bill. <laughs> Let alone all the stuff that got added to it. I mean, I'm I'm all for all, but yeah, they're just gonna beat you. They're gonna beat you to death with this, folks. They are gonna beat you to death with this. Why do you hate the children? And then Eastman's off in the wings, um, again martyring himself, and 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 but at the same time playing two sides of the fence, sneaking off into Calvin Schrage's office to give them advice on how they need to do stuff. You got the governor's chief of staff, 
uh, not the chief chief of staff. I apologize, but the uh, um, on the OMB director, the new OMB director, basically saying, um, you know, while we should have two billion dollars in the CBR, you know, we could we can uh, we can make it, you know, four hundred five hundred million. That's fine. That's that's fine. It'll be, you know, it'll be fine. And we also recognize that the state is in a position right now where we do not have a fiscal plan. It's fine, fine. This, again, reminds me of the meme of the dog in the coffee house who's sitting there sipping coffee while the entire place is burning down around him. This is fine. This is, this is fine. This is fine. This is Four schools are on the chopping block in Fairbanks. Yes, I know. They're consolidating schools down and doing everything else because they are <laughs> because it yes, but that doesn't the way he says it it's like my god they're going to close all these schools. We're all going to die. Right? I mean, that's how they're putting that that's how they're No. No. Um Edgeman and Eastman's are buds now. Imagine that. Yeah, I know. Uh, I I I know exactly. Uh, David says in the chat room. David Boyle says David Eastman may be correct on his vote for SB one forty, but about the process, but the process has not been followed in the past as well. He tanked the House committee substitute on SB one forty, and now opened it up for the Dems to control the bill's outcome. Yeah, I mean it, that's 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 the word on the street. Is that he's out there, you know, if I can't win, we'll make sure that nobody wins. Um, Brian uh, in the chat room talks about uh, Harold has been making the point about younger people leaving the state. And he said it's not all about the jobs. There are jobs. These aren't for everyone. That's fine. Go elsewhere if you have your if that is your value structure. But the craft governance and the disenfranchisement of the youth is what's killing the soul of this state. And I would agree with that. Um, you know that 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 this state, it, it it is the craft governance is going a long way to to what we're dealing with right now. You know, um, it's it's insane. Um, has been done before, and he knows there was a resolution. It's, it's, <laughs> Kevin McCabe says it's 100 percent BS has been there, has been done before. And he knows there was a resolution in play that would fix that. I think talking about Eastman and uh, uh, on that. Um, but this this whole thing, folks, is just um, <laughs> they picked four schools in the House Finance Committee districts in Fairbanks to to show that they were shutting them down so that those district members would feel that, oh, it's going to be shutting down again. Yeah. Again, these are pain points, right? This is exactly why we had the article in the newspaper yesterday about the closure of the independent art programs and the um, and the uh, um, what was the other thing? The health programs, the health and the art programs. We can't we can't have teachers teach those. We got to have the regular teachers. We can't have standard classes because, again, it's going to make it as painful as possible for you who are dealing with this on your kids. We're going to shut down the gifted and talented programs. Why? Because you are some of the most engaged parents out there. And if we make you hurt, then by God, you'll do something about it. 
If your kids love the art and love the health and love all this other stuff, if you are probably more engaged than the average parent on this, and so if we make your kid hurt here, you, by God, will actually get out there and do something about it and do what you're told, which is to tell them that you want the 1413 for the schools, even though it won't improve anything won't improve our scholastic achievement. The money's going to go straight to the overhead and the schools and the administrations. It's not going to increase the scholastic achievement in the classroom. Barely any of it's going to go into the classroom, but that doesn't matter. You're going to do what you're told because otherwise we're going to hurt you by taking away your art and your music and your sports and your gifted and talented, and we're going to take away all that. Because we can. This is why I never sent my kids to public school, folks. I mean, I did actually send my kids to public school in my own house, and I worked with a school district that would work with me on that. But this is why I never sent my kids to brick-and-mortar school. I mean, it's insane. Done behind closed doors. What are you talking about? This bill was done in committee. Uh, Anyway, I, I just... This whole thing has been such an absolute poo parade that, uh, you know, but this is and and this is the monkey show that we're going to see for the rest of the for the rest of this session. And quite honestly, for as long as all this stuff takes place and all this stuff is going on uh, down in Juneau, where the average person just can't, uh, you know, can't come in there and and see and, and participate. This is what's going to this is why I said we should move the legislative session onto the road system, because as long as these sessions continue down there where the only people that they see are the special interests, the lobbyists, the school district personnel, the NEA unions, the, the and when all that that's the, all they're seeing, that's what we're going to get. You know, I mean, this is this this is. This whole thing is is just it is a total poo parade, and uh, you know it, it, we knew it was happening when they first started talking about it. Again, this discussion on how we haven't funded education, we haven't increased the funding to education, even though it's been increased thirty percent over the last twenty years. Even though we now spend two point seven, two point nine billion dollars on one hundred and fifty thousand kids. To do the math on that. billion. It just doesn't, it just doesn't even matter. Just doesn't even matter. Doesn't even matter. Okay. Uh, We're going to take a break. We'll be back. Um... We'll return here in a moment. Don't go anywhere. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty Based, Free Thinking Radio. They can't do math. They went to public schools. That's the problem. Um, we will see you on the other side. Don't go anywhere. If you missed the show, you can listen to it on your time with Dukes On Demand. Oh, and it's free. Like America used to be. 
Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. I'm sorry. Uh, There were a ton of average Juno people there yesterday and kids and 14, 13 buttons and posters and everything else. I mean, yeah, sure. Fully funded, ready to go, doing all that kind of stuff. That's all part and parcel of it right there. That is totally it, right, dude? Um, (laughs) Ladies, ladies, ladies. Melissa, just relax. Barbara, just relax. Everybody relax here. Uh, Melissa, I mean, you, you may have done your best to put the four schools on there because they made sense, but it also has the appearance of being political, whether it is or not. Uh, we all know that sometimes perception is reality. Don't get, don't get, don't get butthurt about it. It's all, it's all good. We're all on the same team here in the end. It's all, it's all good. Um, but the... Eastman caucusing with the liberals. Eastman is just doing East what Eastman does, which is, I don't know that guy. The worst part is, is that I agree with him on most everything that he happens. And then he does something like this. And it's just like, wow. Wow. Um, what else was I looking at? Um, David Eastman has the entire house in the palm of his hand. Alaska Education, ask David Eastman. He has ideas because the house handed him the power. I, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know. Um, uh, it's absolutely not political. This is creating a ton of outrage that doesn't need to be there. I'm outraged all the time, Melissa. I'm outraged about the maneuvers by many school districts, not Fairbanks, North Starboro, particularly or specifically, but in general, where they just want to hit people on the biggest pressure points and pain points they can, whether that's shutting down the gifted and talented program in Anchorage or, um, you know, or again, shutting down the, the, the independent art classes and things like that. This happens all the time. This is not, I don't think this is even, I don't even think this is district specific. Um, it, it, it just, it is, it is what it is, but this is the, the pain point. They always want you to feel the pain. And what they really want to do is they really want to aggravate the parents who are most involved and people who have kids that are in gifted and talented and art programs and music programs. I think you'd probably find statistically are more involved in what's going on with their kids. And so by hurting those kids, they get those parents motivated, right? I mean, right? Right? I mean, that that makes sense. And yeah, is it political? Is the 1413 thing political? Probably. It's not a real number as we've talked about. They just plugged it into a into a a a, a cap. They just plugged it into a a, a a inflation calculator and said this is what we need. Well, how, why? Where does that go? Break that down for me. Where does the 1413 go? Does it go into the classroom? No. Okay, where exactly is it going? You know, if, where exactly is the equity? Wait, David says, the gifted program, where is the equity? Oh, God. 
Don't even get me into that. I mean, don't even get me into that. Yeah, this whole this whole thing with the with the schooling. How much is enough? I mean, we spent two point nine billion dollars on what one hundred and fifty five thousand students. Isn't that about what we have in the state? One hundred fifty five thousand. David, you know more than I do. I think that's about the number, isn't it? Overall, right? So two point nine billion uh, divided by. Uh, uh, divided by what, 150,000? Yeah, that's about right. It's $20,000 per student on average. So, how's that? How's that work? How much money is enough? Does it 30,000? Is it 40,000? How much do we need? That's the question. It's the question I ask myself all the time. What, what is, what are we, what are we doing here? The Michael Duke Show. Seriously humorous with a pinch of intellect. <laughs> pinch of intellect. Sorry. That is humorous. Here's Michael Dukes. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to find the humor this morning. I'm not seeing a whole lot of humor because I just see the same thing going over and over and over. And again, even going back to the even going back to the beginning of SB 140, Lyman Hoffman wanting to put that thing out there basically to benefit Quintillion um, and the rural communities to get this broadband with federal monies that, you know, they should just, man, just buy them a $500 Starlink and let it go. I mean, why, why are we, and then that morphs into a bill with a bunch of other stuff stuck into it, which I'm not necessarily a fan of, but at the same time, I wasn't necessarily opposed to because of what's going on. And then the whole thing just comes unstuck. And all I can hear people harping on is how we're going to close the schools and more school buildings are going to close. And to which I say, okay, good. If there's not the students to fill them, then why don't we close them? If we don't have enough students to fill, then why? And if you're running out of money, then why don't we start consolidating things down? Why don't we eliminate some of that overhead? Because you keep telling me this 1413 number is the number to, is, is the number. Okay, well, first of all, where did you get it, right? Well, somebody just plugged, apparently, this is the word that's going around, somebody plugged in the BSA number into a calculator, went back to 20-whatever it was, and put in and said, how much for adjust for inflation? And that's where they got the number. This is not a number based on, you know, zero-based accounting where they came in and said, okay, well, here's what we need. We got this program, we got this program, we got this program, and here's how much each one of these programs needs, and that's how we came up with the number. No, they just said, well, this is how much you were paying us, and if you had adjusted for inflation, this is how much, so this is what we're going to get. Okay. I mean, what it... it, uh, Melissa Burnett says, uh, I'm not in favor of the 1413, but it's not a lie. It actually makes sense when you look at it. Tell me why. Tell me how the 1413 is going to be broken down in inside the budget. Where did the number come from? How did they 
how did they hit on that number? And how how is it all going to work? Where is it going to be distributed to? Where is the 14? See, because instead of, again, looking at program A, B, C, D, E, F, G in the budget and say, these are the programs that we know we're going to fix it for us and help us. And if we increase it, we're going to need so much for A and so much for B and so much for C and so much for D. And that's where we came up with the number. If you just plug it into an inflation calculator and say, there you go. That's what we need. Well, how are you going to break it down? Well, we don't know. Well, we'd like some accountability measures attached to this to say if we're going to give you this money, then you get, you know, then you say you're going to improve the outcomes. Oh, we couldn't do that. Well, wait. So we want accountability with the money and you're not willing? No. And how much are you willing to put into the classroom? Well, we can't guarantee how much is going to directly go into the classroom. Well, wait. Is it going to be 50%? Maybe. Uh, sometimes. Sometimes not 50%. So, I mean, I, look, that's the thing. I mean... <laughs> the, the, you can't just pluck a number out of the air and say it'll be great. Like I said, 2.7, 2.9, somewhere in there, billion dollars. Um and and how much how much is enough? Well, we'll we'll let you know when we get there. We'll let you know when we We'll let you know when we see it. Well, wait, 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 wait a second. Twenty thousand bucks a student. Is it twenty-five thousand bucks a student? Is that going to be right? Is it thirty thousand? I mean, should we be spending five billion dollars a year on the kids? Six? Ten? How much do we need to spend just for education? There are jobs in Alaska. There are just jobs, not jobs that many people are apparently looking for. There are jobs here. It's just more. That's what the herder says. More. M-O-A-R. More. How much do you need? More. I mean, that was that that article from Must Read from uh, wasn't McCabe who was the guy that wrote it. Um, oh, I'm sorry, I've forgotten what it was. But he basically, you know, basically said, "Hey, we'd have to, you know, you, you figure out if just to pay if we had to pay taxes tomorrow on just education, we're paying something like six percent of the GDP on education already." I mean, you'd have to pay like a 6% tax on what you've got going just to pay for education. How much more do you want? Do you want 8%? Do you want 10% of GDP? How much is enough? And then you've got the fact that some of these people have already made decisions Um to homeschool their kids so they're getting a fraction of what they were getting before um you know the 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 correspondence kids are only getting 90% of the BSA so they're only getting that much and where's the rest of it <laughs> i mean if the BSA is only $5900 per kid 
Uh, and they keep saying, well, we haven't gotten an increase. Well, where's the other $15,000 coming from? Oh, one-time spending, one-time funding, all that kind of stuff. And then you've got what the, what the, what the communities are pitching in. And it's just how much is enough? If we're spending $2.7 billion on 155,000 kids, which is roughly right around the $20,000 mark per child on average, some kids, we know some of these communities, it costs 100000 bucks a year to school these kids because they're way off in the toolies, right? And they've got, they've got eight kids in a single school or 10 kids, whatever the minimum is. That's all they have, and they've, it costs them a million bucks to school those 10 kids. Okay, great. So we know that it, the 20000 is an average. But if you're spending $20,000 in state funds, then you've got local funds on top of that. How much is enough? When we homeschooled all of our kids for essentially $5,000 a year. That's essentially what we did. It was like 2600 bucks, 2700 bucks per semester for the high schoolers. Maybe it was a little more for the grade schoolers. I can't remember, but it was roughly five, six thousand bucks a year per student. And we usually always had money left over that we didn't use. I mean, how much is enough? The 1413 BSA increase equates to 218,000 PFDs. So go for it. Go for it. How much is too much? The overall, the overall decline, we know there's been a decline in enrollment. The decline in enrollment's been happening for years. It's a, it's, you know, it's a, it's, it's a slow but steady decline. We know that it's coming. There's been a, you know, we've lost, we had a loss in worker force and everything else. Is the total number migrate, total number of outmigration, is it uh, ongoing? Possibly. But, you know, at some point, government is going to have to be responsive to what's going on with the number of people, especially in education. If you, you know, if you've got fewer and fewer students, eventually you're going to have to have fewer and fewer teachers, facilities, all that kind of stuff. And the problem is, is they don't want to be responsive in those areas. They want to keep it all at the same level. They want to keep things going at the same level. They don't ever want to make those shifts. So how much? How much is too much? I don't know. I don't know how much is too much. You, you're going to have to guide me on that. Because they obviously don't know how much is too much. They're like, oh, this is just fine. Don't worry about it. It'll be, it'll be perfect. You don't have to worry about a thing. And now a special election on May the 7th to permanently raise the tax cap, says Barbara, in Fairbanks. Because again... How much is too much? We need $10 million for education. Now, we can't dedicate any of this, so it could possibly be that we will never, will never 
spend this on education. But that was our intent. Remember what our intent was the whole time. So we could bust the cap to do that. Yeah. It's um it's it's just crazy, folks. Okay. Um <clears throat> we gotta go. We gotta we gotta we gotta take the we gotta take the we gotta go. We're gonna return in just a minute. Chris Story is gonna be joining us. I need a little bit of a positivity boost, so I think this is just right on time. Right on time. Um, Melissa says, talk about political lies. The tax cap is to pay for the dog shelter, not education. <laughs> oh, my God. All right, we got to go. We're going to be back with more of the Michael Duke Show. Common Sense Radio. light, our guide, and our trusted friend. This is such a total shit. It's just so poo. It's a $2,700 per semester, right? So $2,700 per semester is what uh yeah i mean it's just not getting they're doing it for a fraction of the thank you thank you donna um let me call story here before we get too far ahead per year 2700 per year well that seems low was it oh story I don't know why it does this to me every time, but I got to call you back because this thing won't pick up. That damn thing won't pick up. Let's do this again. Whoa, that's really loud. Okay, let's try this again. Oh, no. It's like every freaking time. The first time it just doesn't want to let me hear you. And then it anyway. Hello. How mm -hmm. are you? The mind of its own. It does. It does. How about what's going on? <laughs> Just give me give, give me something, story. I am I am <laughs> this week has already been horrific so what's uh you what's, know it's tuesday right i know god dang it's just so what's on your mind what's happening my friend well let me give you a piece a fun anecdote uh before we launch into the topic by the way today's topic is wake and take and wake uh, and take do with that if you will <laughs> wake and i just uh oh, no, wait that was something different never mind so anyway but speaking of technology my my grandson was playing in a basketball game last night he's in uh, ninth grade so our other grandkids were there at the game so we're all there watching the game and so the littlest grandson is william and he's three we went to the vending machine to get him a juice and it's one of those vending machines where you select a number like d6 or whatever and then the arm goes over boom the thing drops into it then it slides over to, a, to another receptacle and drops into a little thing anyway so william leans in to the machine to say thank you it was so 
cute and also like, wow. So he's interacting with this machine, watching this having happened, almost like there must be somebody in there that did this, you know, because Papa just pushed a couple of buttons. And anyway, I thought that was the cutest thing. So if that doesn't make you smile today, then you have no heart. Right, exactly. Unless, of course, the machine says, you're welcome. Oh, my God. That is it. <laughs> It was a Russian accent, actually, and that, more like Vladimir. And that it was that it was just. I mean, that's what that's what it's scary. It just goes. You're welcome. I mean, that's uh, <laughs> Dude, Battlestar Galactica. Nice, <laughs> nice effect. Oh man. Okay. Well, uh, wake and take. You have to agree that was a better. It was a better show than Star Trek, right? Battlestar Galactica. I mean, much better show um the original or the yeah yeah that's all i've watched you know i i love i love (laughs) i love star trek the original series um i remember watching that as a kid uh, already on reruns uh yeah there was something about battlestar galactica that was kind of because there was an epic underlying you know there was always that arc of trying to find earth and so that was Mm -hmm. i think that made it it i think that made it gave it something that was deeper um yeah but um, I don't know. I uh, I enjoyed them both. I don't think you can't go back and rewatch some of that stuff now because it's so cheesy. You're like, oh my god, the cheese is so bad. Mm-hmm. But uh, there's a lot of things that are unwatchable that yeah. uh, were once loved. Maybe it's better not to try to go home again. Yeah, it's like I, I, we Terry and I decided about, I don't know five six months ago. It's like let's rewatch let's watch Magnum PI. Let's rewatch that. And I was like. Oh my God, this is so bad. Well, I can hold off on. Huh? Oh, this is so bad. I mean, like, wow. Oh. I love me some Tom Selleck, but this is bad. So easy. Uh, take yeah. it, take it easy. I know, I know. It was just like one of those things. Anyway, um, okay, so uh wake and take, where are we at? We're uh, just over a minute out here. We're ready to go. And um, I guess that's it. I don't got anything else. Uh, what, what's uh... well? It sounds like I've stopped you. If nothing else, I've stopped you from tying your own news because that seems like where you were headed. So maybe maybe I this wasn't trying. You know, welcome. I, I will say that I don't get self destructive like that. But what I basically do is in my mind, I'm just like. I just drop the stuff and I just walk away. It's like mic drop and just walk away and be like, I'm just going to go over here and do something else because this is all stupid. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just like, this is stupid. Why am I wasting my time on this stuff? But it is, it does get frustrating, especially when those people are just, oh, they're just so, they're so, they believe it. Oh, we need all this. We got to have it all. Oh, it's just how many millions and billions of dollars do you need? All right. Well, we're done with that. All right. So we're going to jump back into it. Don't go anywhere. Uh, Chris Story is our guest. Like, share, subscribe, ring the bell, do all that stuff, the YouTube and the Facebook stuff. And uh, we will continue with Chris Story right now. The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense Radio. Let's do it. The Michael Duke Show. Not your daddy. Wait, sorry. Not your daddy? Ooh, not your daddy's talk radio. <laughs> Whew. I was scared for a second. Thought we were going down. Here's Michael Dukes and the show. That's right. I'm not your daddy. I'm Chris Story's daddy. Hello. Uh, <laughs> good morning. Welcome back to the thing. 
Hello, uh, which one is Chris? He's the one without the uh, fluffy ears uh, in the picture here. We're just people commenting on your new picture. Chris Story joins us here on the program today. Uh, our weekly uplift, our positivity boost. He is our guru of positive thought and betterment. And he joins us today to talk about wake and take. What's going on, my friend? What's happening? Well, first of all, I think this is a celebratory moment for you and I both. But dare I say radio at large, really, because we are celebrating, Michael, whether you know this or not, we're celebrating our 10th year together of what I'm now calling affectionately Tuesdays with Michael. And so this is over 450 installments over these past 10 years of these these segments. So I just thought that was worth taking a moment and uh, acknowledging and obviously Thank you. Because yeah, well, without you, I wouldn't be here on these. That is true. I mean, we have been doing this a long time. Uh, 2014 was when I moved on, moved on down, and we are ready to go. And uh, I'm, you know, it's time flies when you're having fun, my friend. That's all I could say. Time flies when you're having fun, and I wouldn't change a thing. I appreciate you coming on board for. Uh, for this every week, uh, well, except for last week, but you know, other than that, it was. <laughs> but we made up for it on Thursday. We, we did make. Okay. I know we did make up for it. I, if I can't poke fun, then what? What does the deal? All right, so hit me with it, my friend. Wake and take. What are we talking about here? I'm going to wake up and I'm going to take it. No, I'm going to take. Well, what? Wait. What are we doing? <laughs> what? What are we doing? Wake and take is, and I'm not talking about your fun uncle's game. This is different. It's not yeah. I could take no, no. wake and take. Oh, wake and take. Okay. I thought it was something wake totally different that was a little baking going involved. What's happening? Taking advantage of today, right now, to wake up. It's sort of a wake up call in your life to take advantage of this moment. Because I think for many people, we are living in fear of the future, and that isn't living, or we're living for the future, and that ain't living either. And it's a matter of coming back to the present. It's a matter of coming back to this moment and recognizing that this is this is your life. And you can easily wake up to it or you can stay asleep and revel in the past or fear the future, live for the future, or you can take advantage of the opportunities that are all around you right now. I heard a guy called Brad Lee. Uh, he's an entrepreneur and a podcaster and a software developer. And he said in an interview, if somebody handed you a million dollars cash money, like right now, there's just one caveat. You will not wake up tomorrow. This is it. Your family's going to be fine, but you're gone. Would you take the million? And obviously the, the person doing the interview said, well, no. And he goes, okay, well, how about a hundred million? hundred million bucks. It's yours. You get to do with it as you please today, but you will not wake up tomorrow. No, okay, a billion? No. So then what's the point? The point is this is a million-dollar moment. You have an opportunity right now, and this is the only moment you're guaranteed is this moment. And if you wouldn't trade it for a million dollars, you wouldn't trade tomorrow for a million or a hundred million or a billion dollars, then that that's a wake-up call right there. What does it say about me that I immediately wanted to start to negotiate? Okay, so if I could get a day and a half <laughs> – 
could I get like 150 mm-hmm. million if I got, you know. Well, that's interesting. And, you know, All right, let's gonna... go there. What would you do? <laughs> what would you do with that day and a half? You'd probably spend it on the radio. I mean, I mean, that's the thing. You I mean, if I, if I was going to, if I was, well, no, I would, if I, if I knew I only had a day and a half, as much as I love my listeners and everything else, I would probably not spend the day on the radio. I would probably be with my family all day, every day, uh, you know, all day long. But you, you're making a valid point. The question is, would you, if you knew that you had a hundred million dollars or a billion dollars that you could do whatever you want with, but you wouldn't live past sunrise, would you do it? Well, n- no, because you can't put a price on the experience. You can't put a price on everything else. I mean, people try, uh, but you know that's a that's a tough man. That's an inter- It's an interesting question, and it really makes you think about what is important. It's similar, not dissimilar, I should say, to the conversation in my book, The Backyard Millionaire, between August and Oscar, where he says, look, and the the wealthy guy takes out his checkbook and says, I'm going to write a check for a million dollars right now. Um, All I want are your eyes or your heart or, you know, I mean, your kidney or your use of your legs. And obviously, you wouldn't sell any of that for any amount of money. So health is, is paramount to everything else we do in life. We know that it's pretty obvious, especially when you say it or you hear it said, it's like, well, duh. But the idea of waking up in this moment right now to who you want to be, that is worth listening to for just a second and getting quiet. Wayne Dyer, famous for, I don't know, 50 or 60 books, whatever he wrote before he passed, his most famous or his first book was called Your Erroneous Zones. And it, it wasn't an erogenous book. It was, it was erroneous. In other words, it was a psychological <laughs> book for the masses, probably the first one. And he said, but it often sold to people assuming that it meant something else. But it didn't matter because it was really chock full of good stuff. Right. But he just he had the manuscript sitting on his desk and he was a college professor and this is long about 1974. And um, his day was just I mean, he was overwhelmed, just absolutely overwhelmed with students, with lecturing. He had private lecture series going. He had his, you know, his profession, his tenured professorship on the line. He had students, graduate students, constantly coming and going, other colleagues and professors that wanted his time. And he could barely escape into a park. Just he'd, he'd go down the back steps out of his office, go out to a little park that was near there, sit on a boulder and just dream about being free of it all and then that's when he realized and he had this epiphany this almost like a wake-up call of his own oh i am free i'm free in this moment and so he would take these 10 or 15 minutes to himself in that park on the boulder looking at the birds listening to the sounds of nature and it would it woke him up to go back and handle the rest of his day in his private practice and could keep him busy with um psychotherapy till 9 p.m and then start the day all over again the next day but it also helped him wake up to the fact that he was misusing his time and he changed and he quit and he gave up that guaranteed future for the unknown, which would obviously be, as history would write later, a massive success to the tune of a hundred million dollar net worth and appearances all over the world and much beloved figure in modern culture. But he didn't know that, but he, he woke up inside of a dream that was a dream and he found it to be a nightmare. And then the wake up call was, I can do something about it. So wake and take this opportunity. 
And every day is the opportunity. I sat up in bed uh, this morning and started thinking about uh, the things that I wanted and how that would feel uh, the moment that those things mm. occurred and things like that. You've got to take that opportunity each and every day um, to remind yourself of, of those things and what it is that you're fighting for and you're struggling for and you're, you're, you know, what, it, what it is that is the goal in the long run. Yeah. Yeah. Here's your bumper sticker moment. Wake up numb nuts. This is your million dollar moment. You can put that on a bumper sticker and right. you say that whenever you find yourself in a, 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 an argument over nothing, even right. with yourself or a loved one, it's right. wake up. This is your moment. This is your million dollar moment and million dollar moment could be a placeholder for freedom, time, freedom, financial freedom, health, freedom, relationship and empowerment over your own choices in life. This is your moment. Wake up. Take advantage of it. Wake and take. Wake and take. Take advantage of the moment that you have been given uh, at this point. Uh, so what is uh, Chris Story's routine for the wake and take? What happens to you every morning when you – it's much different than wake and bake. Yes, Chris. Uh, somebody in the chat room just asked if it was different. It's much different than that. So, Chris, uh, walk us through your process. And it's, it's irrelevant, isn't it? But but I'll share it with you anyway, because it's, it could be enlightening and maybe just one piece of, of the well, way I look at this could make a difference to somebody. So I'll share it. But it's how I wake and take advantage is completely different or antithetical maybe to what it would mean to you. But for me, it's waking up with gratitude, even amidst a storm. And, and for all you know, I'm going through some emotional upheaval right now. You have no idea because here I come here not to share that, but to come and share uh, ideas about, you know, empowerment and self-improvement and so forth. But still, even if I'm in the middle of the, an emotional turbulent time or a storm or a financial crises over these last 10 years, I've gone through a lot of different things, Michael, but these Tuesdays have been reserved for finding empowerment and creating a, a different and better space. But I, I wake up no matter what for forcing myself to focus on gratitude. Just that one word. Yeah. That one word can change everything. And so I will not let myself wake up and feel an ache or a pain first. Or it might it might come to my presence and my physiology, but I force myself back to gratitude even if I'm not feeling it. And it's not a fake it till you make it thing. It's a it's a literal practice. A little bit like showing up at the at the dojo and you don't have your black belt yet. We're not faking it. You're practicing, you're learning, you're attempting right. to achieve enlightenment or a black belt or whatever the skill set or mindset you're looking for. So for me, that's a, it's, a, it's a way of being, if you will, or a practice is that gratitude. And that drives the rest of my morning, which then includes a minimum 20 to 30 minutes of, of reading something positive, um, spending time in, in what I consider to be meditation, although I've never practiced or been trained in it, but it is just a quiet reflection of this moment and being present in that moment and praying and having gratitude and, of course, copious amounts of coffee. Copious amounts of coffee. Um, I uh, start and just so again, I'm just trying to give people kind of an idea. Like you said, your method, mm -hmm. my method may not match them, but it just kind of gives you an idea. Um, I swing my legs off the bed and I sit on the edge of the bed and I let just tip my head down and I just say thanks, you know, 
Thanks for waking up. Thanks for having another day. Thanks for having the opportunity. There may be aches and pains in there, but thanks for the aches. You know, thanks for that means, again, at least I'm not on the other side of the grass. You know what I mean? Um, And then I think about, like I said earlier, I think about the things that I want, the goals that I have set for myself. And I think about what those would feel like as they come to pass, like as we celebrate certain things or milestones what would that feel like in my in my life? What is that going to be like? And I think about that feeling yeah. and I think about those things. And then when I go brush my teeth, I look myself in the mirror and I say a few words to myself. Sometimes they're uplifting. Sometimes they're a little uh, chastising. One, what are the other? Um, and that's just my routine, you know. And sometimes that's the weirdest thing in the deal, you know, looking yourself in the eye in the mirror and saying something. And you're like, but you, you're an idiot. What are you doing? Uh, but it's uh, it. That's just how I do things. So whatever it takes to get up there and take advantage of it, that's what you need to do. Yeah. Wake, wake and take advantage of life in this moment. Or you can watch the opportunities slip through the your fingers like the sands through the hourglass pulling you slowly into the ground or again, take advantage of it. And it doesn't matter where you are. It's not too late. If you heard Billy Joel's new song, it's fantastic. It's amazing. Actually, it's moving. It's incredible. It ain't too late. It's not too late. Billy Joel hadn't written a song in 30 years. He's got a new right. brand new one out and it's amazing. And it and ain't too worth late. Listening, so. Yeah. Ain't too late. All right. Well, Chris Story, thank you so much, my friend. As always, it's a pleasure to talk with you. Appreciate you coming on board. And uh, we look forward to another 450 episodes or whatever it is that you just threw out there. I, I, look, here. I look forward to that. Thank you, my friend. We'll talk to you again soon. All right, folks, uh, we got to go. Uh, the Michael Luke Show continues. Common Sense, Liberty Base, Free Thinking Radio tomorrow. Be kind. Love one another. Live well. See you then. Okay. Uh, Yeah. I'm uh, ready. I'm ready already to do my thing for tomorrow. Thank you, my friends. We appreciate you. Again, don't forget to check out the Common Sense Core. That's how you help support the show. And um, I got nothing else. I'm ready to go. We'll see you. Be kind. Love one another. Live well. Have a good day.
we've shed our terrestrial radio skin, and now we are slimy lizard internet people. It's the Michael Duke Show. <laughs> 